Raptors fans, welcome back to the most positive, uplifting, joyous, rapturous podcast that we're ever going to do because the Raptors just went 4-0 and and we're going to talk all about it, what it means for the big picture, for the upcoming trade deadline. This is a this is a jam-packed episode, Ben. But first, before we dive into basketball, I see you're smiling, but uh, how are you doing? It's hard not to feel great when the Raptors go undefeated in a week against that tough of a schedule. It's uh, it's exciting times to be a Raptors fan right now, and uh, their joyous energy is rubbing off on me. I feel great. Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I don't want to say under siege, but occupied potentially because I live in, in downtown Ottawa. It's been, <laughs> it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Um, more, maybe more, it's just surreal, but, uh, the basketball has been, has been great. I've been keeping my spirits up and, uh, let's dive into the, to the game sort of as a whole here. The, I'm going to rattle off the, the scores. On Monday night, the Raptors beat the Atlanta Hawks 106-100. Trey Young didn't play in that game, but uh, it was still still a tough game. The Hawks team is is still decent without Trey Young. They're, they're definitely not a, a top tier team, but you know they still got a good, bunch of good players. Then Tuesday, back to back, the Raptors, uh, I guess, staved off revenge from the Miami Heat and beat them 110 to 106. Another super close game. Bam was nuts that game. Jimmy didn't have his greatest game but uh still another another really good game another really close one then thursday uh the raptors beat the chicago bulls 127 120 in overtime uh second overtime game in in the recent weeks uh another great game close battle either team could have won this one pretty easily demar had a had a really nice game and Vooch just he dominated. He he had probably one of his better games ever. And uh the Raptors still still won that one. And then Friday, the Raptors wrapped up their week. There, I think there are four games in five nights and uh five games in seven nights, and one of those was a triple overtime, another one was an overtime. They beat the Atlanta Hawks 125 to 114, which is some really hot shooting. But uh, this wraps up a five-game win streak all against. They beat the Heat twice. They beat the the Bulls and the Hawks twice. And like you know, these are these are tough teams and a lot of wins in a short time span and a lot of minutes for the starters. But the record is now 28 and 23. Ben, how are you feeling about this week? Well, I think big picture this week changes a lot for the Raptors trajectory this season because they've taken a jump into the playoff tier of teams I would say they've been hovering in the play-ins for a really long time here and it wasn't clear what direction they would be going at the trade deadline whether they'd be looking to sell off a few players kind of continue building for the future or if they'd be looking to kind of not go all in right now but add pieces and get better for this season And I think this week gives a lot of clarity to the front office because you look at how this team is playing now that everyone's finally healthy and then, and they're beating some of the best teams in the East. These are teams that they could be potentially seeing in the first round of the playoffs. And you look at them and you're like, okay, we can hold our own against these guys with the way our starters are playing. This team isn't a contender per se, but they're a real playoff team is what they look like to me. And so I'm, excited to see if we add someone at the deadline because i think this is where this team is going now it's like they want to clearly need to add a bench piece 
to give the starters some easier minutes down the stretch because we can't keep doing this 40 minutes a game, although we keep saying that and they keep doing it. And so maybe the Raptors are just going to prove us wrong and, you know, play the starters all the minutes. But there's a clear area of weakness that we can shore up. And like with the way these guys are playing, you just have to feel like they deserve that extra help. Um, Like Gary Trent is this X factor now that can just go off for 30 at any given point. Freddie and Siakam are both playing like all-star caliber players. OG is doing his OG things. He's as solid a role player as ever. And Scotty is flourishing as that fifth man in the starting lineup and being a glue guy. And this team is just playing great. Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, this team is playing well. They've had the opportunity to gel. They've been completely healthy for a month now. And they've had a lot of games in this past month. And it really feels like they're, they're coming together. The offense, while still not great, is making a lot more quick passes and intuitive plays where they know where each other is going. And it's a lot smoother. And we can see that in the scores, like the scoring output is higher. I mean, some of that is buoyed by by great shooting and, you know, Pascal returning to form, Gary Trent playing the best basketball of his life. Fred Van Vliet, even though his numbers have come down from that incredible stretch he had, teams are guarding him way out. And he he's that that's freeing uh that's freeing up looks for other people just because of, of how teams are forced to guard him. And then OG is is shooting well from three and Scotty, you know, yeah, they're they're all playing really well, which is I think why they're getting these wins. But I'm not as optimistic as you. A lot of these games have been close, and if you look at sort of the big, big picture, big sample size, close games, unless you're a Chris Paul team, are kind of 50-50. And winning a bunch of these close games in a row, you know, screams to me more like they're they're on a run of of, of luck right now. And and I don't think that they should overreact to this, and I don't think it should change your priors that this is just a 500 team. Things are things are rolling well right now. They're on a hot streak, but I don't think we should look at it into more than that. And I think it would be dangerous for the Raptors to be like, oh, this is a real playoff team now. We add a piece, you know, we get a bit more depth. We mortgage some some future assets to, to make us a little bit better now. I, I don't see that that being worthwhile because I still think this team at the end of the day is is a 500-ish team. All right, Aaron, counterpoint to that. The Raptors since January 1st, yeah. 13 and 6. Overall, the eighth best point differential in the league. Yeah. They're 10th in offense, 8th in defense. Top 10 in both of those. And that's what you look to for a good team, like an indication. For sure. Both for sure, sides but of the ball are playing really well. They are, but they've had some great luck in opponents in terms of people playing versus them and, and not playing versus them, if you know what I mean. And they've had, they've, their opponents have, missed like the superstars have missed a lot of games against the Raptors and then the Raptors are also just in a great run like almost every team at some point in this season is going to have a a surprising winning streak just based on luck and who they're playing and yes like this has been a terrific week for the Raptors and and very positive I just don't want to overreact and be like this team is is here now and this is this is a real team now I, I don't think that that erases all the mediocre basketball they've played earlier in the season it doesn't erase it, but the, there's an opportunity here to to make real noise in the playoffs. I, I Like I said earlier, I don't think they're a contender. They're not a true contender. They don't have that top-tier talent, but you do have two real all-star level players, and the East is wide open. Right now, they're only four and a half games back from first. 
yeah, which is the, crazy. The, the East is is wide open from a regular season point of view. It's not wide open from a playoff point of view. And yeah, you could even you could but, even, well, if you get the right matchup. Not? Like, what do you mean it, it's not wide open from a playoff point of view? Why not? There's several teams that are just on a different tier than the Raptors, in my opinion. Like at and, their theoretical peak, yes, but there's no guarantee that they reach that peak in the playoffs. Sure, like, like yes, and we're talking right, right. we're talking about Brooklyn and Milwaukee here, right, and maybe Miami. Yeah. Yeah, I think those teams are certainly above the Raptors. And then I think if you look at teams like the Celtics, like their their playoff peak is certainly I I would say a level higher than the Raptors. And even even the Bulls, I think could be better than the Raptors in the playoffs. If if Lonzo and Caruso are healthy, I think the Bulls are probably still a better playoff team even though I don't believe in the Bulls. I think I I believe in the Raptors even less than I do the Bulls. And also Philly is, is Philly is in a different tier too. Like the Raptors have very little chance, I think, if they play Philly. I agree with you that all these teams are better, except for the Celtics. The, the Celtics, I still don't believe in, even though they're they're on a good run right now. But these teams are better, but not beatable. The Nets are a mess of a team. They're on a seven-game losing streak right now. Like when yeah, Kevin Durant comes hurt. back, yeah, when <laughs> Kevin Durant comes back, sure things are ignore, probably better. But, ignore but, how but, the but Nets his health, are but his yes. health is. Yes. Like there's no guarantee that he's healthy, right? For sure, and but that's that's true for everyone, including the Raptors, right? You can only play with what you have in front of you, and these other yeah. teams are a bit of a mess. Philly just has Embiid. If you if you're able to slow him down in the playoffs, suddenly they're vulnerable. And the Raptors have historically been great at slowing him down. Chicago's unproven. Are they more talented than the Raptors? Yes, but again, it's Demar Derozan in the playoffs, like you, you've talked about earlier. Yeah, for if sure. you really want to bet on that, like that's a beatable team. Yeah, and Milwaukee I, I, if, hasn't played up to like past seasons. Are are they better? Sure, but is there a chance that you can beat them? I think so. Like all these teams to me are there's no juggernaut that is unbeatable. No, I think the Nets are. Uh, if I mean, I think with the a caveat of Nets, it's theoretical. With the caveat of if if healthy, I think there's a number of teams that the Raptors have no chance of beating. No chance. The, yes. See, I, I don't think there's a single no team that the Raptors have no chance at beating. No, I, think, I think there's absolutely no chance against Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Uh, and I don't think also like the, the way teams are constructed now, things are going to change a lot, hopefully, for some of them by by Thursday at noon because or six or whatever the deadline actually is. I think it's at six. But uh, I think the Nets are, might look significantly different. Uh, after the trade deadline, same same with the Sixers. Like there's 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 chances that these teams like radically improve, and even if they don't, I, I still don't think the Raptors really have a shot. Could they could they win one series if they get the right matchup in the playoffs? Depending on how the seeding breaks, sure. Like that, that's not that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Do they actually have a chance to make noise in the East? I mean, and be and be a threat? No, I don't I don't think they do. And yes, it would be great if they could win a could win around. Like that's awesome for this team and the development and the future and everything like that. But I don't I don't see upping those chances very slightly by let's say acquiring Jakob Pertle, like and giving up a you know giving up I don't know someone decent first in a first round, round pick. pick. Yeah, yeah, they want they want a decent player in a first round pick. I don't know what that would be, but like it's. I don't know who that decent player would be because the Raptors are, are short on decent players outside of their starting lineup. But, you know, I don't see that being worth it because it's not going to significantly change their odds because I think what, what's holding this team down is their lack of, of true superstar talent. And that's what's going to hold them down in the playoffs. Getting more depth 
and, and you know upgrading slightly at a position i just i don't see that being worth it because that's not the issue with this team it's one of the issues with this team though you're right the the superstar talent is going to be a void that's yeah. unfillable until we see how scotty barnes develops but yeah they do have a clear weakness with their bench and it's just yeah like, absolutely you, but the, i don't think that like if you're if you're swapping players or you know doing something where it's just like you know getting getting a guy who just needs to be in a different situation or fits well in the raptors and there's not really a cost to it great go ahead and do it but as soon as we're talking about trading away first round picks i'm i'm out because I, I just think the raptors that with the way that they draft and with the timeline of this team it, the, getting a first round pick is just more valuable than than whatever they can get out there on the trade market i think we're overvaluing first round picks here yes the raptors are a great drafting team but if you can get a player that you can add to your core and it's not just a short-term rental right a player like Jakob purdle is young enough that he can be part of our team in the three four years mm-hmm. from now and still be valuable that's the type of player i'd want to add not just a vet that's going to leave after a year but like if you I can think do you that, need, that's I think you need more pick. swings at the at the getting a star superstar, and I think that any kind of players that the Raptors would be adding would be very much sort of low ceiling players that have kind of already reached what they are as a player and and have little chance at moving the needle for the Raptors. And I think yeah, even though let's say like a, a pick at nineteen has little chance of being a superstar, I think has more chance than than whoever they uh, they acquire. Ugh, that just feels so like you're you're really just that, that's such a small chance of like a first round pick three years from now being a superstar that matters for this team like it's just but it's what, such it, what an it also small chance Aaron. but what also helps is if a superstar becomes available then you still have your whole war chest to then throw it as a potentially making a great offer for a superstar that then would you know like Kawhi did with this team elevate you to being a true contender and i like yes making making a small move on the margin or you know getting getting an actual starting center you know like these things would help this team for sure i just don't see i i wouldn't i wouldn't pay much for it i guess is what i'm saying because i don't really believe in this team as a playoff team yeah i just think a first round pick is not too heavy of a price like if we package Goran Dragic with the first round pick to get a decent player I I would be fine with doing that um it's there's like there's something to be said for winning and winning a playoff series would be awesome and it's just this team like the the franchise really values winning and I'm certain that they feel like (laughs) I don't know this team this team can still compete right without without making any upgrades um yeah, I don't know. Should we talk about this upcoming week? Because I, I feel like it, it contributes to the discussion. Uh, on Monday, the Raptors play at Charlotte, which is, you know, they'll, they'll probably be, I don't know, maybe slightly favored in that with how they're, they've are they played recently. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday and Thursday, back-to-back against the absolute shitters of the NBA, the Oklahoma City and Houston Rockets. Early in the season, you could look at these games being like, well, they're still trying to win. They're trying to figure out who's playing and who's not. Now that we're kind of like three-fifths of the way through the season, these teams are fully in tank mode. Yeah. Oklahoma City, their last game, their best player was Josh Giddy. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, with Oklahoma City, they've been a 500 team without Jalen Green, and they've won like two games with Jalen Green. And he's healthy and playing right now. So, you know, like these are are teams that, uh, 
then I don't want to say free wins because we've been bitten by that before, specifically with the Detroit Pistons. But, you know, you got you got to look at this week like those are two free wins. And then Saturday uh, they play the Denver Nuggets at home and the Denver Nuggets like Jokic looks like the MVP right now. Like he's mm-hmm. been an absolute maestro on offense, completely dominant. But, you know, the rest of the, t- the team surrounding him isn't great. And, you know, that, that's a very winnable game. The Raptors might even be favored in that probably will be. So, you know, you, I think you got to look at this this week as being like the average outcome for this week is three and one. Yeah. And and, you know, then now we're talking about, you know, <laughs> moving up in the standings quite a bit right now. We're in seventh, but one game back from sixth, And that's the reeling nets. So certainly like the if you look at your place in the standings on this week alone, you should be you should be going up. Yeah. And even bigger picture than that, the standings, the strength of schedule for the Raptors for the rest of the season is the sixth easiest in the league. And yeah. so just moving forwards, the schedule is easy. And so, yeah, you have to think that the Raptors are probably going to continue to climb a bit in the standings in like sixth, fifth. It's not out of the realm of possibility at this point, potentially even higher with how condensed things are. And if the Raptors can stay healthy, it's like you could have a good seed here. Uh, and yeah, so I just definitely could. Yeah. I feel like that has to play into the calculus of wanting to just get a little bit better. Cause if you're in that fourth, fifth seed, all of a sudden and you're playing Cleveland in the first round, like having that starting center would be really nice. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I like, I like the Raptors D best when they're just switching and doubling everything. And I think you, you need like a special defensive center, like Pirtle to, to be able to play that way. And then, like we saw Ken Birch come back this week and he, and he played sort of limited minutes, mm-hmm. but just like the lack of perimeter skill and shooting really bogs down the offense and the way the Raptors have gotten used to playing kind of five out, but like five out with lots of shitty perimeter shooters, <laughs> but yeah. they still play five out. Like Boucher is comfortable in the perimeter. Is he good? No, but he's comfortable. Right. Whereas, <laughs> you know, Ken Birch and lots of other centers are, are not so comfortable doing stuff on the perimeter. Yeah, he even pressures the Chua like he's bad, but you know, he loves he, playing on the perimeter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you know, he fancied himself as a wing player before coming to the NBA, and you know, he doesn't have those kind of skills. But for a center, he does right, and and so I don't know. I I kind of like the way the Raptors are playing right now with their lineup. So if you were to if you were to evaluate them, where would be your position of need for this team? So I think. A scorer off the bench is really what this team needs. Someone that can handle the ball, a combo guard, like one of those dynamic Jordan Clarkson types off the bench that can give you some offensive juice. Because as soon as these bench guys come on, when it's Chris Boucher, Precious Achua, and Delano Banton, with that, that's kind of been the three-man unit that's come off the bench recently for the Raptors, the offense just plummets. And I don't think any of those players is playing badly. I think they're all actually playing really well for what they're capable of it's just offensively they're so limited and so getting someone like that to shore up the bench scoring would be great but then also having a more versatile center would also be great and it would free up i think scotty barnes has been doing a great job as kind of our pseudo center um but honestly come playoff time if you had a real center he'd probably be coming off the bench for this team do you agree with that I, I do because I think 
I think you, even we saw one of the games this week, I think it was against the Bulls, the Raptors ended up putting uh, Boucher in the closing lineup because because Barnes was having such issues fouling over staying in yeah. front of. And yeah, like his perimeter defense has continued to be bad, but he's, he's kind of just making it up with sort of hustle and heads up plays and, and sort of doing the right stuff on offense and, you know, trying on defense. It's just that the, the skill really isn't there yet, but yeah, like I think in the if the Raptors were in a playoff series, there's a good chance that Scotty Barnes doesn't end up closing a lot of games because of or he or even yeah. gets his minutes slashed quite a bit because of the way he plays on defense. But the thing is, right now with the current roster, there isn't another good player to have in yeah. that closing lineup. Like I would yeah. still rather generally have Scotty over Chris yeah, Boucher or theory, Ken Birch. Sure, or, yeah. Yeah. I think so, it depends on the matchup a lot, but yeah, but absolutely. Like, and if, yeah, if you get a starter, like a starting center, I think yeah. Scotty is the one that would, that would sort of move out of, of the rotation, if you will. Yeah. But, uh, which, which like also hurts, right? Because as if you're Masai and you're looking at the development of the Raptors, like, do you really want to get a player to kick out Scotty? Yeah. No, that's, right. Like you're kind of, you're kind of punishing your own development, optimal. right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, so even, even next season, right? Like, like there's still the potential if you're if this guy with the Raptors like they're they're pretty locked up for next season in terms of the roster, and if they do get let's say Pirtle, it's like next season might be the same situation where Scotty again doesn't have a role and this team is going to compete right and Nick Nurse isn't going to play Scotty over like Pascal or OG or who, any of these guys because he's not if he's not helpful so I would see that like kind of shooting yourself in the foot and and not worth it and the Raptors have been linked to someone they just played in their last game, uh, Danilo Gallinari, the, I think six foot 10 forward from the Hawks. They're looking to move off of him. And the, the rumor is that Goran, Goran Dragic for Dylan Gallinari and the Raptors might have to put something else in there to, to make that happen because Gallinari is still a somewhat useful player. And I kind of like that. I think he would, he's kind of that score, you know, like not the most efficient, but a good shooter, bad defender, but hopefully you can, you can make up with that with sort of just surrounding him with all the length and, and mobility the Raptors do have. Okay. Here's why I hate that idea. He's not a good ball handler. Like, so he doesn't solve that issue and the scoring is nice, but I don't want to bring in someone that just cannot play defense and Gallinari in the playoffs just gets hunted. He is a bad defender and he would ruin so much of the switching versatility that the Raptors, the Raptors have because all of a sudden there's this clear player to target and teams like the Hawks who just love to pick and roll you to death, they would be hunting Gallinari all day long. And that, I think that's why we were able to beat the Hawks twice. And like even when Trey Young is as masterful as masterful in offense as he is, the Raptors just don't have anyone that can really be exposed on that end. Yeah, but I think as a bench guy you know, looking for that scoring punch, right? Like there's, there's not players that can both score and defend that are coming off the bench, right? Like there's some kind of trade-off almost all of the time. Right. And I think like as someone getting, you know, 20 minutes of, of like, if you put the bench unit out there with like, with Banton and, and Boucher and Achua and, you know, let's say like Pascal or Scotty, right? Like that's so much length out there that I think even though he's, he's, he's going to get burned, like the Raptors already kind of get burned and just help. Right. And if he can just not, not be like an absolute zero on defense, which I don't think he would be because he's still a smart player, even if he's a little bit immobile, like just getting someone that can shoot and you can just kind of post up and get average or slightly below average offense of it is, is will improve this team. And if the price is, 
pretty much just Dragic for him, then I, I think you're just you're getting a rotation piece for free, more or less. All right, here's a counter to that. What if you what if we could get Harrison Barnes for Dragic plus a first round pick plus maybe Malachi Flynn or something? I think uh, the price would be much higher than that. But how much Harrison how much do you think Harrison Barnes will take to get two picks? Yeah, I think it would be two firsts for Harrison Barnes if they're also being because the the Kings want absolutely nothing to do with Dragic, right? Like, well, he's just a salary filler. He's an expiring contract, yeah. right? So it doesn't. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it's hurting them going forwards. I would. Yeah, I, if I was the Kings, I would want two firsts from the Raptors to do that because because they have no young players that you're interested in that the Raptors would actually be willing to trade because like Malachi Flynn, I think at this point has close to zero value. Like teams would take a flyer on him if it was yeah, just like, it, okay, it's, like, it's you the know. flyerist of flyers, but yeah. okay. Let's just talk about the trade market right now because we just saw a trade happen this week, which to me is setting the tone for the trade market at the deadline. Norman Powell and Robert Covington from the Portland trailblazers. Shout out to Norm storm and Norman uh, got traded to the LA Clippers for Bledsoe, Keon Johnson and who was the other player, Aaron? There's one uh, other player is filler, meaningless. I think it was mean Justice Winslow, who yeah, has not panned out yeah. into anything and is garbage. Yeah. Um and then a second round pick. So In 2025. So yeah. Long way away. So Norman Powell, good player on a reasonable contract, getting paid close to 20 million. Um, but like Kind of worth that money. He's, it's, it seems like a reasonably fair contract for him. And then Robert Covington, kind of washed up 3 and D player, but can probably still get some minutes. Um, like, essentially, salary filler and a second round pick for them. And like Keon Johnson was a late first, who who's a flyer at this point. He's a bit yeah, of a flyer. For sure. for Not sure. as much as Malachi Flynn, but that seems like a pretty cheap price for two useful players. For sure. And I, I think that... The this trade is a lot about Portland trying to get under the tax, which yeah is for them as a franchise is like a huge red flag where it's just like all right we're just we're giving away players so that we can be more profitable. Uh, apparently, they're also looking to trade CG McCollum, and I think you know with sort of the situation in Portland with how much pressure they're under from Dame. And, you know, probably ownership and whatnot. The situation there is really volatile. And if I was a front office, I would absolutely be looking to make trades with Portland because they're they're in a situation where their incentives are not aligned with making the best long-term basketball decisions. So they can absolutely be plundered. And I think that's exactly what the Clippers did to them right now. Totally agree. But... You have to assume that the Blazers were still shopping those guys around the league, and this was the best offer that they got, right? Yeah, like, for sure. I think you, that's you that's hope so. Yeah, yeah. That, right. And so yeah. it doesn't sound like then that there would have been a first round pick available for those two guys. But I uh, think that says more about those guys than in terms of like what teams think about those guys than other words. Because like Norman Powell is in the first year of a five year extension, right? And I think people look at the back end of that contract as being probably pretty bad and you know yeah he might help you this year and next which is all you really want if you're the clippers right and you can afford to to pay him as much money as you want because you have steve Ballmer as the owner but if for a lot of other teams like that that contract is is probably much more of a negative than it is for the clippers 
I just, I, the contracts can't be that toxic. He's going to be 32 at the end of it, and he's going to be getting paid 20 million. He's getting paid 15 million at the start, and then it's escalating up to 20 million. It's like, mm-hmm. that's just not that bad of a contract. Like, no matter no, how. It's not, it's not terrible, but. Even if he regresses a bit, it's just like, okay, like, it's slight, it's a slight overpay, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't know. It just, like, that, yeah, it's, it's not, not a negative asset mm-hmm. that you need to get off of, really. But I think, I think it also teams just don't. Like, does Norman Powell move the needle if you're a contender? If you're if you're the Clippers, yeah, because you just need more players that can play, right? And you know, getting that shooting and, and spacing and you know, just some length on the wing. Like this is this is how the Clippers want to play, and he fits that. I think a lot of other teams look at Norman Powell and be like, does this really change much for us? And the answer is no. So I, I think his value just wasn't that high. Dragic in a second round pick for Norman. I would have done that. Yeah, I think the Raptors would have done that too, but I don't think uh, or two Portland seconds. that would have been better than what the Blazers got. Portland would 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 not have been able to get under the tax then, so you know there would have had to be other stuff involved and and whatnot. So yeah. yeah, but anyways, I think that just sets the tone for like first round picks are hard to acquire these days. Yeah, and there's and, just not a lot out there because a lot of teams have already moved yeah. all their chips all in. So yeah, for sure. But I also think that. The, the teams to target are the teams that are sort of distressed right now. And, Sacramento Kings. And lost. Yes, Sacramento, absolutely. Like, try to get players when they are Portland, right? Like, the, you know, well, they've kind of had a lot of their useful, reasonably paid players taken now because I think, uh, <laughs> you know, Norman, Norman Covington were two of those guys there. But, yeah, those are the types of teams you want to be targeting right now and trying to trying to do trades because they're under pressure to do things unrelated to good long-term basketball decisions. Yeah. But, Ben, as much as I dislike the idea of getting a center on this team for the, for the reasons we discussed, there are, there's been credible reporting from Raptors uh, writers saying that the, the Raptors are targeting or at least talking with teams about the following players. Jakob Pertl, who we've mentioned before, and apparently the price there is either a good young player in a first or two firsts. Uh, the Raptors, I think, could only do the two first option because there's no good young player to trade. I don't think the Spurs I, would be that I, high. I'm kind of Banton. wondering what the caliber of good young player. <laughs> yeah. Like I could see Precious Achua plus a first being like, going for a younger center that has some promise for the rising star precious achua yeah exactly Uh, rising stars yeah um miles turner i think the he's he has an injured foot right now and it's really unknown whether he's going to be back this week or not and just you kind of want to see him healthy before you trade for him with an injury like that and then the the price just seems really high like it's going to be at least two firsts for him and that that seems pretty high for Miles Turner. Honestly, the Miles Turner stuff, I honestly don't think he's going to get traded at yeah, this point. Yeah, the injury is just too much of a unknown. Yeah, right? he he's hurt, and you don't know when he's coming back exactly. And so, for Indiana, what's their incentive to trade him now versus at the in the off season when he's healthy again? Because like right now, the value that you're going to get for him, you have to think teams are only going to take him at a discount. Um, or, the or they would have to give kind of they would have to like be really open about the medical report to mm-hmm. where the teams could be you know have confidence that he's going to come back within a few weeks or, or you know month or whatever is going to be and he's going to be able to contribute and and be his yeah. like 100 for the playoffs which teams are really that transparent so yeah it's yeah. just uh, historically injured players don't get traded and so yeah. i, I kind of think he's out of the market at this point but yeah yeah robert williams of the of the celtics uh that seems kind of nuts. I don't know why the Celtics would trade one of their better young players who they have locked up on a pretty good contract. 
uh, he seems like kind of like their center of the future and he wouldn't really solve the Raptors sort of perimeter skill <laughs> uh, options. He's pretty much, uh, yeah, you know, he's a very much a traditional center. He's very good for a traditional center as well, but yeah, I don't, I don't, don't love, love that. that fit. Nick Claxton of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, he'd be longer than some of the Raptors centers, but I don't really see that as an issue. And if you if you get a center, I feel like you want that center to be able to hold their own in the post against some of the East big guys, you know, namely Embiid. And Claxton has absolutely no chance of doing that. So yeah, you know, if you're if you're getting him for free, sure, he's a good player, right? And but uh, yeah, not not in love with that. And I think he he also is up for an extension this offseason, so you probably have to pay him too. And yeah. The last guy, Yusuf Nurkic, Blazers. You know, like the the maybe there's some value to be had here. I think out of these guys, Pirtle and Nurkic are the two most promising candidates here. Nurkic would be a bit more of a rental. I think his contract is done after the season, and so you'd yep. probably be looking to pay him longer term. But he's he doesn't fit the Raptors' timeline very neatly. Um, but well, in he's terms of he's 27 skill, right now. But yeah, he's he's a free agent this off season. So. Yeah. You know, in terms of what you, I don't know what it would take to get him, but I think there's definitely an opportunity there where if you're looking to make a rental at a, at a low cost and then maybe, maybe sign him. But I think this is still the whole Scotty Barnes problem of if you pick up another big, you're kind of forcing Scotty out. But at the same time, Scotty in the last few games, it looks like his handle is getting more comfortable. He's had some really nice dribble moves. Like he's getting more comfortable as the season goes on on the perimeter. And so right now he's playing center by necessity, but long-term, I don't think he's, you, you have to play him at center, right? I think if he's coming off the bench, for you sure. can throw him into any lineup and just, I just think 30 that minutes a game and it's no problem. For, for now, he is the Defensively, the worst, most, the yeah. worst, but just overall, he's the worst starter. And the yeah. next season, he could also very easily be the worst starter. And yeah. if you're bringing Nurkic, then suddenly he's not the worst starter. He's the sixth man, right? Yeah, yeah, but it, then it it also just it allows you to lighten the minutes on everybody, right? Because you still yes. have to play Scotty thirty minutes a game, and that just you yeah. can get Fred and Siakam out of the top two in minutes per game. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, we have an email about this talking about the the Raptors minutes, so maybe yeah. we'll we'll save a discussion there. Uh, yeah, but I just like Nurkic's yeah. fit. Let's talk about like Nurkic here. He's a good yeah. defensive center. He has some good playmaking as a center as well. Like you can give him the ball in the mid post and he can throw some Gasol like passes, not quite at the same level, but he's also like a good bruiser down low. He yeah, would, he's, he's huge. He's absolutely he would deal enormous. really well with yeah. Embiid um, and cause in mismatch theory, problems yeah. with other teams too. I think like on offense with teams that are smaller, the issues with Nurkic is that he's had some serious injuries and he's looked really slow and like he's lost uh, some athleticism and he kind of struggles to finish around the rim now, even though he's really big, um, whether you hope you can continue to rehab him uh I don't know. Yeah, you'd have to do your research on Nurkic if you're the Raptors. But if the cost is is low, there's you know there's not a lot of risk there because you can always just not resign him. Yeah, the defensive versatility for the team would go down because you kind of yeah. need to play drop coverage with them. But yeah, yeah, not not a lot of great options, I guess. You know, we are somewhat limited in who we can go after. All right, Ben. Uh, 
now that we've talked about sort of how we think the Raptors are going to do at the trade deadline and, and disagreed a lot, I think here more than more than we normally do. I want to throw some basketball opinions at you. You haven't seen these yet. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw them at you from all across the NBA and including the Raptors and just, and see how you react here. All right. All right. Hit me with it. So I've already said the Raptors don't need a center. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I, I just, I'm against the Raptors getting a center in the trade deadline, but so uh, let's not rehash that. Yeah. But, you're wrong, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Philly is going to get really good value for Ben Simmons at the trade deadline. Teams are going to believe the hardened to Philly rumors. And that is going to light a fire under everyone's ass to g- increase their bids for Ben Simmons if they really want him. And I think the Sixers are going to be able to get their choice of James Harden, De'Aaron Fox, or CJ McCollum. And they're going to be able to get quite a bit back for, for some of that, that other stuff because I think there might end up being a surprise bidding war for, for Ben Simmons, all because I think James Harden has voiced some displeasure about his time in Brooklyn. And it seems like the uh, the smoke around him going to Philly in the offseason is actually a fire and and not a not smoke because he, he said some stuff about just how unhappy he is in in Brooklyn and how he doesn't like his role and he, yeah he he wants to be uh, he he when he went to Brooklyn he didn't want to be the man he wanted to be part of like a, a trio of players and he's basically just been the same role he was in Houston. And obviously, I think I think it's a lot of posturing for he's he's played poorly and he's unhappy there and uh, he wants out. If I was Philly, I would be very concerned about trading for James Harden. There is a real chance that he's just washed and and you're going to if you sign him, you have to pay him for for five years at super max. And I'd be really, really worried about that. Yeah, quite frankly, I think this is all bullshit. I don't think there's any chance the Nets are trading him at the deadline. I I actually I think it's zero. This is not happening. Okay, wow. I think there's a real chance they trade for Ben Simmons. This this team has invested too much in this core to not even see them all play together in like a healthy playoff series. I just think if you're trading for Ben Simmons, all of a sudden, what happens when Kyrie's out? in the play like he can't play in in half the games and stuff and then your whole offense is all of a sudden on kevin durant and i just think like the the downgrade from the theoretical peak of james harden even though he's playing right bad right now to ben simmons it's just i I think the nets have to ride this out and hope that harden is happy and i kind of think this is a lot of rumor mongering that started by philly to try and like you said, lure out these other big trade offers from teams that are panicking and be like, oh, crap. Ben Simmons. I, I, that's what I said last week. And I've I've changed my tune here. I think yeah. the smoke is, is actually real now because we have reporting from people in James Harden's camp. It's not it's not all coming from Philly. It's people from James Harden's camp. And and if they like what, what incentive do they have to make things go wrong in, in Brooklyn? Right. There's also reporting from the Nets camp that Harden has consistently said that he wants to be there and wants to stay with this team. So it's like, yeah, there, there's all sorts of different voices coming out of the woodwork here. I just think this is 
This would be silliness from Harden to want to leave this team. I, oh yeah, it's, it's ludicrous. Kyrie drama, but like this is all it's, just it's ludicrous for him to want to leave. But that doesn't mean it's not true. We've we've seen. Well, I just him. I don't think it's true. This, this he's is, he's the one who tr- wanted Westbrook over Chris Paul. Like he's made lots of bad decisions before, yes. right? Yes, um, I just I would be shocked if this ends up actually happening. And quite frankly, from the other teams, CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, that's not the Sixers don't want that. That's not a good enough. Well, I think you, you could get more than than just CJ McCollum. I think you could get, you know, Nasir Little, you could get some firsts. Like yeah, I, I think. Portland's gonna give up firsts. I just I don't think so. Like it just doesn't make sense. And then I I just De'Aaron Fox as well is not a compelling trade package to me for Ben Simmons. I just don't think there's anything else real out there that the Sixers want. I think they're going to hold Ben Simmons to the offseason, which I also think is insanity and a bad call from them. But Mm -hmm. with how stubborn Daryl Morey's been, I kind of think that's what's going to happen here. And it's going to just be ugly for everyone. I think um, I think the the way things are breaking, whether it's through their own doing or random luck, I think I think they're going to get lucky and and get uh, get more than they would have a week ago for for Ben Simmons. And I think I think it's lunacy to not trade Ben Simmons as well. Like so, I think they're going to do it, but uh, time will tell. We'll we'll be back with this conversation next week, whether we're going to roast the Sixers or not. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh, my next my next take here: uh, the Lakers should trade Russell Westbrook. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, garbage, and they're completely unprotected first in 2026, seven or eight, which whatever one it is, for John Wall and Eric Gordon. I think if you're Houston, you would do that. And I think it's much easier if John Wall isn't isn't playing well, just be like, we're done. Like you you're gone from the team than it is to do with Russ. And uh we've seen you know lebron plus ad is a is still a good team and you get eric gordon in there that's that's a real player who you're absolutely going to be able to play like a decent amount of minutes and you know good defense good spacing and i think that's kind of like the best thing you can do with this team at the at this point and just you know try to find guys in the buyout market to to round out your rotation but i think that would that would make the lakers uh like with the way the west is this year if you can get off Westbrook and get some get some players to surround LeBron AD with, you have a shot. You still have a shot. I think if the Houston Rockets are willing to do this, the Lakers should do this. This seems like the yeah. only feasible trade package for Russell Westbrook. And I watched a little bit of the Lakers game Saturday night. The fans... Yeah, have uh, they're done with Wes. Yeah, have completely done. turned on Russell Westbrook. They were yelling when he pump faked to shoot a three. There was this audible groan from the, the stands of like, oh yeah. no, he's going to take another three. Yeah. And it's just an untenable situation. Like he got benched near the end of the game. They weren't closing with him. Yeah, they haven't closed with him with the, in a number of games now. And yeah, this is just yeah. like this is not going to change. He's not happy with this role. No one in the organization is happy with him and how he's playing. You just have to cut your losses because you can't have this in the locker room when you're going to the playoffs trying to win a championship. You can't have this $44 million albatross just sitting there. They need to move on because... They, they've gone all in. And so what's another first round pick at this point? Like you have LeBron James at the end of his prime. You need to make moves now. And possibly AD at the end of his prime too. 
you know, with his yeah, I mean, record I of injuries and whatnot. Like he's yeah, he's getting closer, like closer to thirty, and you know. Yeah, your window some players is now. age differently. Yeah, like yeah. like you got to go now. Like in two years, you you could be done, right? Yeah, and so this this trade makes sense. And even if John Wall isn't a player, like he's probably can still be. Maybe he'll be a bench guy like a for you. Man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, something. And Eric Gordon is useful. So, yeah, I think you have to do this. This the Russell Westbrook situation is sad because. I just feel like his career is going to be so tarnished by these last few years of terribleness. Um, yeah, like Dwight he was a special player. We made fun of point. Dwight for a long time about how he kind of like refused to to adapt, and eventually he did, which I think has resuscitated a lot Mello of people. Well. Yeah, yeah. Two guys but, that are on the Lakers now. Yeah, it could be in Russell Westbrook's ear right now, being like, "Hey, look at our careers." Yeah, you like we're, we're still useful player. contributors. Like, yeah, Russ is is. You know he's still a disaster, and I think his because of just the way that he that he plays and the way that he's aged. You know, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. His his legacy could be gone from you know MVP triple double to guy who never changed the way he played. Um, all right, most underrated teams in the league right now: Nets, Celtics, Lakers, Jazz. I have to pick one of these. No, those are my most underrated oh. teams. Most underrated. Yeah. People still are talking about the Nets like they have no shot in the playoffs. They still have KD. He's hurt, but he's going to come back. They still have Kyrie and James Harden. And as much as I don't like the way James Harden has looked, he's still James Harden. And if they're healthy in the playoffs, this team is, I think, an undisputed favorite. And they have enough random players around them that they'll find a lineup that works. And as soon as they get rolling in the playoffs, I would not want to be uh, facing them one bit. And I think there's a lot of noise because of they've lost a lot of games. And, you know, this team doesn't look good right now that this, this team sucks. That's not true. Wait for the playoffs, wait for them to be healthy. And, and we'll see. Okay. I, I agree with that. And the Lakers being underrated. Yes. Because you know, it's LeBron and AD enough said, yeah, the Celtics and Jazz are the two teams that I want to talk about here. And the Celtics, yeah. first off, their hot winning streak has come against a very easy schedule. Why yeah. do you think they're underrated? I think because uh, Tatum started to play better. And with with the way Tatum and Brown have played, as long as they can sort of fix their chemistry issues and you know maybe, maybe reshape their roster a little bit at the trade deadline, maybe get a point guard... I think the versatility this team will have defensively is 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 right up there for one of the best defensive teams in the league because you'll be able to play like right now like their defense is is really good for how like in the in recently right because you have Robert Williams, Tatum, Brown like it's very switchable, very long and then defensively like Marcus Smart and you know like they just have so many good defenders, so many switchable defenders, so many guys that are that have that playoff experience that I think they're they're a better playoff team than they are a regular season team and i think people get kind of too caught up in the regular season drama and sort of the slog of it and they haven't done well in the regular season which is disappointing but still in the playoffs they're i think they're a real team and people are talking about them like they don't have a shot but i I feel like they're pretty good they have a shot they just still have all the same problems on offense that i've talked about the whole time and you're really relying on heroics and it, it has to be heroics from Tatum and Brown to do enough on offense in the playoffs. And you get in a bad matchup 
like against i think the raptors would be a really bad matchup again for them right because you have all these players just they're sending tons of help at your two top guys and you start relying on role players that have not proven that they can do anything on this team to score enough points and like their bench still bad yeah what you're saying is is all true but i think that this team has a real shot to improve at the trade deadline we'll see i i don't trust any of their gming for the like the last four seasons have just been a debacle for them and so like we'll see what they look like after the trade deadline i'm just i'm still skeptical about them let's talk about the jazz are reeling right now and there's been smoke this week of internal drama where there's been stuff for the last couple of years, murmurs, whispers, rumors thrown out there that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert don't like each other. They're not friends. Yeah. They don't get along. And that's that's been growing louder and louder. Apparently, right now, they barely talk to each other and the relationship is pretty fractured. And there's been speculation that Gobert might get traded, <laughs> which yes. I think is insane. <laughs> that is insane. But I think I think because of all that, people are too low on what the Jazz are. We've seen them be a juggernaut in the regular season before, and they continue to be this year until this recent stretch of poor play. Joe Ingles tore his ACL, so they're down a rotation player. But I think that they have lots of guys on their bench that, given the opportunity, could, could solidify themselves as a serious uh, playoff rotation piece. And I think this team's lineup of like this team starting lineup is just so good that if they're healthy and rolling, they're still a real team. If they're going to be healthy in the playoffs, I think that they're, that they're still a threat. I think that, you know, the Mitchell Conley O'Neal Gobert sort of nucleus that they have, you know, that Bogdanovich in there as well. And then, you know, Jordan Clarkson off the bench and maybe they'll be able, hopefully they can add some depth at the, at the deadline there. But if they're healthy, this team, this team is a real threat and I would not, uh, I would not be writing them off just because they've, they've played poorly in the last like month. Yeah. They've gone through slumps in each of the past few seasons where people start writing them off and then they end yeah. the season on a 20 game winning streak and are right back to the top of the standings. Yeah, but time and again in the playoffs, yeah, they get exposed. And at this point, with the fractured relationships that we keep hearing about, with Joe Ingles down for the season, like that's tough to see. And they have one real perimeter defender in Royce O'Neal. Like, I just this team has glaring issues that have not been solved and don't seem to be solved. And I don't think they're going to get solved at the trade deadline. I think people are too focused on their lack of postseason success. And and last year, they were one of the teams that could have won the championship. And they they got hurt, right? And that ended up them not like sort of being hurt and their spectacular collapse against the Clippers without without Kawhi, right? They, they yeah, really they lost tarnished. to the Paul George Clippers, not yes. the Kawhi Clippers. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like that's a spectacular and devastating loss. But if they were healthy, I think that they were one of the teams that could have won the championship. And I, I feel like it's it, if you're just looking at the results, you say this team has no shot. I think if you look at the process, this team has a shot still. And people that are writing them off, it's it's too early to write this team off, in my opinion. I thought so that, that's that why last I think they're underrated. Year, yeah, 
I thought that last year and then they lost to the Paul George Clippers. And I don't think that anymore. I think there's 82 think this, game this players team, and they're very fragile game players. No. This team is fragile. Rudy Gobert but, is an 82 uh, game defender, not a no, 16 he's not, game defender. No, he's not. That's just, it's wrong. Well, like he's the an, deep, he's oh, sorry. amazing. It's, the it's team not, is It's not Gobert's fault. Yes. It's not yes. Gobert's fault. The, the defense that this team plays is a regular season defense. It's a scheme that works well generally, but against specific matchups, it's yeah, terrible. It's it's hard to play five out when you have adjust. bad perimeter defenders. Yeah, yes. like yeah. and so it's just they have this Achilles heel that they just d- refuse to solve. And maybe you can't solve it with this personnel, but I just don't trust this team. They're going to get a bad matchup in the playoffs and crumble again. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't I don't think that. I mean, I still believe in them as as a sort of a fringe contender and i think people erasing them are wrong that's why i have them as underrated if they get sure if they get lucky and don't get a bad matchup <laughs> sure no maybe. but i think i don't think that there is a bad matchup for them in the playoffs like if, if the clippers aren't healthy i don't think that there is a bad matchup for them but let's move on to my most overrated teams all right okay okay i'll start this off with the chicago bulls uh okay. but we talked about them last week so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll i don't really there, disagree there. sure yeah I have the Phoenix Suns up there. Oh. I think they have Chris Paul has been alarmingly healthy. Vegan Chris Paul has been alarmingly healthy the last few years, which, you know, it's been great, like great for him, great for his teams. Right. But that's not really in line with his career. And I think without Chris Paul, this team is is not really a threat. Their offense is is OK in the playoffs. I think we've seen that their offense can struggle before. And yeah, while their defense is excellent, I, I think that they're they're definitely a contender, but I don't think their their record is uh, is really indicative of of what they are as a playoff team. They're a good playoff team. They're certainly a threat in the West, but I don't think they're an overwhelming fra- favorite, which is kind of like what their record would suggest. Okay, like they, they, this team is a regular season machine, right? Like much like the Jazz have been in previous years. I don't think that that their playoff. Uh, sort of peak isn't as high as I think uh, their record would indicate. So that's why I think they're a little bit overrated. Uh, All right. Can I push back on that a little bit? Like statistically, they are the, yeah, by far the best team in the league. And the difference to me between them and the jazz of previous seasons is that this team basically has no weaknesses. There's nothing to exploit. They're they're excellent defensively. They're versatile defensively. They can play a lot of different ways. And offensively, if this is a huge caveat on if Chris Paul is healthy, they're really, really good. Like Devin Booker's an elite scorer. Chris Paul is excellent at running this offense. They have lots of good role players around them. Mm -hmm. And yes, Chris Paul like was going to struggle a bit more to get to generate offense in the playoffs. But I think it's still enough that with the excellent defense, this is just a really, really well-rounded team. They, they are they are a super solid team, and these these are the types of teams that that just roll through the regular season. But come playoff time, like I don't think they really have a top ten guy on their team. No, like, but I don't think you need a top ten guy no, you, you, to win. You don't need one. It's just really hard to win, especially if you're going against a team like the Lakers. If LeBron and AD are both healthy and playing really well, I th- I, I think the Lakers almost should be favored if that's the case if LeBron and AD are rolling and playing really well, like it's just, you know, as good as the Suns are, like when you run up against talent, that's, that's healthy and just, you know, way, way better than you, 
you're kind of at the mercy of how well they do as a, you're not really in control anymore. And yeah. certainly if, if things break the, their way, like they did last season, they could absolutely come out of the West and they could even win the championship. Right. But I think they're just, they're just not really in control because their, their peak just isn't as high as other teams are. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Their peak is definitely not as high. So sure. That's fair. But yeah, to so, me right now with the way the rest of the league's looking, there's no guarantee that any of these other teams get to their peaks. For right? sure. Like they could they could absolutely just, you know, run through the West because no one's healthy and, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 So, you know, but I, I just think as a you know, as a betting man, I would I would probably be selling on the Suns right now because I think the way the picture looks now isn't the way it's going to look come playoff time. OK. Um, Raptors. The most Boo. overrated team. Boo. Boo. Why are you saying this? They've won a bunch of close games. They're playing uh, their starters a ton of minutes. Their health has been great for the last month. They've they've had a bunch of fortunate games against teams that, that didn't bring their players to Toronto. They've played teams without their superstars a lot. You know, they've played the Bucks without Giannis. They've played the Hawks without Trey Young. You know, they, they just had a lot of breaks i would say in terms of the the teams that they've had to play and they've won a bunch of close games recently and i think you're also seeing career best performances from fred van vliet this season gary trent pascal is is playing super well and you know like scotty barnes is his shooting sustainable there's just a like this this team is shot i think better than we would have expected coming into this season and if you're going to pick a way for it to 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 change or not change i would i would pick shooting regression for this team going forward so for for all those reasons i think this team is is much closer to a 500 team than a uh 28 23 team so i think they're they're probably a bit overrated right now you stink i don't like this conversation um you're no i i'm i know i'm not i'm not accepting this this is no 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 no. freddie and siakam are they're what they're doing is sustainable like freddie isn't even shooting spectacularly i i think he's one of the best jump shooters in the league yeah and he's been but he's been an excellent three-point shooter the last Mm -hmm. few years he's just upped his volume a bit like it's he's not doing anything crazy like his finishing at the rim hasn't taken this jump that is seems unsustainable I think he just is this level of shooter. He is this good. Uh, he's taken a slight jump from last year, but it's not anything ridiculous. And Siakam has finally returned to form and he's having his best season ever, better than slightly better than his second team All-NBA season. But it's not just based on shooting. Like It's not just like he's having these career highs in shootings. The shooting is at similar levels to those past seasons, it's just he's doing more stuff around that now as well, right? It's not just the scoring now. He's brought mm-hmm. the defense and the playmaking, all these other facets of his game together. And the rest of the team, Gary Trent Jr. is the one that's like maybe right now, like he's in a hot stretch of shooting and is that completely sustainable? Maybe not. But outside of that, I'd say this team is, they're all playing at a reasonable level. Like the, the team is just gelling really well. Nick Nurse is a brilliant coach. I think this team is for real. I think what they are right now is for real. Like this, they're not going to continue winning every game against cl- good teams. Like all these close games, you're right. These can end up being 50, 50 results, 
But throughout most of the season, their games against good teams have been close. They've been competitive the whole time. And even when they're on these losing streaks, we were taking away these positives from these close games. And now they're just winning them. And so, like, are they realistically probably closer to 500 team? Maybe. But, like, if you're in the playoffs, like, they could easily make the playoffs. And I wouldn't want to be facing them because they're just this gritty, tough team to play against. They make your life difficult. And I think their identity is real. And there's a real foundation here. Well, I guess uh, I'm the Raptors pessimist and you're the Raptors optimist. Some things never change, Ben. Two more teams that I want to quickly mention here. Okay. Uh, Cleveland and uh, Memphis. I think they're both sort of young teams that are a little bit in over their heads and come to the playoffs. Uh, Memphis is, I think, a better team, but both, I think, are, are a little bit in over their heads in terms of like they have a bunch of young players that are playing the best basketball of their career, which is awesome for them, but uh, maybe, maybe a bit unsustainable. We'll see. I feel like you always expect players that are playing the best basketball of their career to just regress when it's, when it's John Moran and he's like 22 and coming into his Mm -hmm. own. Why can't this just be who he is? Why does he have to get worse? I don't, I don't think Jaw's going to get worse. It's just like they've been playing like Zyra Williams and they've like kind of survived there. You know, Desmond Bain is like a complete revelation. Right. And, you know, like, do I think these players are player and like, you know, uh, Jaron Jackson has also been phenomenal. Right. Do I think all these players are, are frauds or flukes? No, absolutely not. They're, they're really good. I just think that as the third seed in the West, they're, they're probably not that come playoff time. Like I'd put them more down in the six range, maybe five, six range. So that's what I mean by overrated. Like, do do I think they're a fluke? No, absolutely not. Going forward, Memphis is one of the, maybe the brightest future of any team in the league, right? Yeah. Uh, But for this season, as a, as a, like normally a three seed is a championship contender. I don't, I don't think I buy that for Memphis just yet. Same, same, even more so for Cleveland. Uh, They're 32 and one, they're fourth in the, in the East. I think that you know there's there's some downside potential there, given their their depth and sort of how you know some of their players have been playing. Yeah, I, I buy Cleveland here more than more than Memphis is overperforming. Uh, they've definitely feels like they got a little bit lucky. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's it for my uh, for my lukewarm takes. Let's dive into the email uh, from Nathan. The Raptors have been playing fantastically, taking down the hottest teams in the East. They've done this by playing their starters crazy minutes. All five of their starters are in the top twenty in minutes per game, and Fred Pascal and OG are in the top three. What are the drawbacks of this approach to rotations? Should other teams copy the Raptors? So. Great email from Nathan. Great question. This week, I looked at the box scores. Every single game, the Raptors starters, the lowest was 35 minutes a game. So yeah, they they are riding them a lot. Um, should other teams copy the Raptors? I think it's just really situation dependent. Nick Nurse and the Raptors really value like com- trying to compete in every game as much as they can. And the Raptors are young, athletic, like I think that they just was sort of the type of players that they that they that they go after and they have on their team. They're able to play more minutes than, than potentially other guys just because of, of where they are in their career. But also just like the Raptors as a franchise really put a ton of emphasis on just playing hard all the time and being locked in. 
so yeah, if, if as a franchise, you can, you can have your ethos just being like playing hard and being locked in all the time. Absolutely. And playing your better players is going to be good for you in the long term of, of winning games. But I think this for the Raptors right now is more about the lack of, of getting anything meaningful on the bench. Most teams don't have this precipitous of a decline going from starters to the bench. And I think that's why Nick Nurse is, is sort of juicing the starting line more. It's just because the bench is so bad. I think if the Raptors bench is better, we'd see all these minutes go down by by a few every game. Yeah, it's definitely this combination of circumstances with the poor bench play. But the starters are also... It's like the, your oldest starters are Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, right? And they're... Mm-hmm both in excellent shape have excellent conditioning kind of these iron man players that can run all game and it's like seems like freddie's never out of breath even though he works so hard right it's if if you had a starter that was in their 30s was an older vet that you kind of needed to take care of to make sure they get to the playoffs and are healthy yeah we there, saw the we saw this with surgeon mark right yeah like, when Serge and Mark were on the Raptors, like they played like 20 minutes a night or like 30 minutes, you know, but yeah, know, cer- certainly way less minutes because they would get tired and stop being effective. Right. So as a and coach, you just have to play them as long as they're going to be effective for. Yeah. And I think if this team still had someone like Kyle Lowry on it, he, the, the games that he did play, he'd probably be getting 40 minutes a night. Cause Kyle always gets 40 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, you definitely see rest days thrown in there, I think, because there would be that eye towards, taking care of their bodies long term it's just the raptors don't have any player like that on this roster and so nick nurse is taking advantage of that and i know we talked earlier on one of the earlier pods about being concerned about injuries and stuff but you're right i think they do have to trust their medical staff to manage these workloads and if the player has showing any signs of wear and tear just like sit them out for a game or two yeah we, but, we've seen that like freddie had the, that crazy stretch of play in minutes and and whatnot just like workload and then he suddenly had a surprising you know ankle injury but then the next game he played on the end of a back-to-back so it's like it can't have been that mm-hmm. serious if they're i think what we've been seeing for a lot of the raptors players when they they miss a game or two for injuries it's it's really just like rest and they're managing like a slightly you know something that's fatigued or potentially like liable to be injured and i wouldn't totally believe the location of of all these injuries for the raptors unless they're actually like wearing a brace (laughs) yeah yeah i think this has just been a very clever solution to a problem that the raptors had of not having a bench the answer is just don't play a bench (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. absolutely. And should other teams copy the Raptors? Like, if you can, yes. Like playing, playing, like this is what people hated again with Bud or Mike Budenholzer for the for the Bucks for so long is that he just wouldn't play his starters enough minutes, and so he's giving more minutes to bad players, right? And sure, if you can, but I think that's much more of a playoff approach. And I think most teams usually have a pretty good balance of of where they're going and sort of what the what the goals are the goal for this team right now is to win as many games as you can in the regular season to see if you're for real like you're in a discovery process if you're a veteran team and you know you're just competing for the playoffs what's the point in going for a few more regular season wins right so i think yeah. i think most most teams usually get their minutes right and i think the raptors like you said are just in a unique, unique situation yeah yeah every team has their own problems and yeah. So this 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 answer to this problem isn't wouldn't be necessarily right for most other teams. Yeah. Um, we got one right, more ben. email. Give it Should to I me. Read this one. Hey, with two eyes, <laughs> the Olympics are back, and with it are the world's top athletes. 
and some male hockey players. <laughs> In all seriousness, the NHL isn't competing again, and it shouldn't even be controversial to say this is not the highest level of competition within the sport. My question this week has two parts. What would Olympic basketball look like if no one signed to an NBA org was allowed to participate? Would the U.S. dominate with the NCAA stars and retired players? Would it be? It would be awesome seeing Jeremy Lin and Vince Carter lead a team of college prospects, potentially. Um, or would we see players from other professional leagues dominate, like European or Asian teams? What are your predictions? Let's let's answer this question before getting to the second one. Yeah, I think you would see European teams or South American teams dominate. There are a number of of players from European teams that uh, that play professionally in Europe, even though they are good enough to make the NBA, but they don't want to go to the NBA because a they would be taking a pay cut in many instances because they'd be getting sort of a minimum contract in the NBA, or they'd be taking much less of a role uh, in in the NBA, and they sort of they they want to be the star, they want to be the man, they want to they want to play as much basketball and have as much influence over winning and losing as they can. So there are lots of NBA players in the European leagues that, that I think would just outclass what sort of us would be able to put together if they're not including NBA players. Yeah. The Euro league is the strongest league compared next to the NBA, like stronger than college, like way stronger than college and stronger than like the Chinese basketball league, things like that. So I would definitely give all the European teams, like Spain, France, of, even yeah. France, and some Slovenia. of the Eastern European teams. Yeah, yeah like depending on the we given saw, year. A lot we of saw Slovenia really make the yeah make the semifinals, and they had Luka Doncic, and that's it. Everything, everyone else was a was a Euroleague player, like Goran Dragic's brother Zoran. <laughs> yeah, Zoran Dragic. <laughs> so yeah, name. yeah. So there's a. Uh, yeah, there's lots of players that are that are way better than college players and retired NBA players that play in Europe, and I think those would be the countries that would uh, that would do really well. Yeah. Second question: Do you think a sport should be sanctioned by the IOC if it isn't the top tier of competitive play? Personally, I think medals shouldn't be awarded if enough of the world's best aren't in attendance. If a couple athletes or teams miss an Olympic Games, that's a different story. But in the case where all the top players in a single sport aren't present, I don't think they should be. I don't think they should be sanctioned, especially if you look at the criteria used to reject sports from joining the Olympics. It's offensive watching NCAA players and retirees get the media attention that they do. Thanks, boys. Keep up the good work. Your God, Alex. All right, this one. This is a this is a ridiculous take, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not the IOC's decision that NHL players haven't gone to the Olympics, right? Like they're they've said years, like years, like decades in advance, like, oh, there's gonna be an Olympics here, right? And the NHL decided to not let their players go. That's not the IOC's fault. And the IOC is in the business of making money, right? Like they're getting still lots of attention and money from this sort of semi-professional tournament that they're having. And it's not their fault that the pros didn't come. So yeah, I, I can't. It's hard to blame the IOC for this. I think it's always best to have the best level of competition that you can. Like, if the top athletes yeah. from the sport can play, I think they should. I know in the past, the Olympics at some point were amateur only. 
Um, yeah. And I think it is better to have professional athletes if you can, because you're just going to get better competition. Well, and what we saw there but, was just an abuse of the system by the USSR, who would classify all their athletes as amateurs because they wouldn't let them go to professional leagues. And they're, but they're all professional level and they would just clean up the Olympics because it was the USSR versus, you know, American <laughs> college players. Like, yeah. So, yeah. But it, it, every like, system has its flaws. Yeah, but even if it was legitimately all amateurs, like it's if you get all the professional athletes, that's just better. But yeah, it's gonna be way better for sure. I think it is unfortunate that these professional leagues won't adjust their schedule to play in the Olympics. So there is something special about getting these country on country competitions. Yeah. Like it, it is really cool to watch a lot of the time. But at the same time, the IOC in and of itself, and I don't want to go too far down this tangent, but like I wish the Olympics was removed from the IOC because the the organization behind the Olympics is this corrupt, terrible organization that probably should yeah. be dissolved. And After have... FIFA, it's it's you know, FIFA is yeah. the worst. Then the IOC. <laughs> yeah, and and so like yeah. this, these country on country competitions are cool, but uh, I don't know. I can't stand for the Olympics too hard because what's behind it is terrible. <laughs> yes, agreed there. But uh, I. You know, for a topic for another discussion, I wish the basketball was moved to the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics don't have enough sports. And I think that the NBA would actually be more willing to participate than the NHL would because the A, the players union is much more powerful. And if the top players want to go, it's hard to say no to them. Like if LeBron's like, I'm going to go to the Olympics, the NBA can't really be like, oh, we're not allowing you to. Right. And I think it would actually give them a good, it'd be a nice carrot for the, the players union to the next CBA negotiations to be like every four years we take, you know, three weeks off during the regular season and we have a shorter season. And honestly, it's a go play in the Olympics. It's like, a I nice think break I, in the schedule. Like yeah. February, March, it's kind of the doldrums of the NBA season. Like yeah. it would be nice to you have a little break and then you're come back reinvigorated. I think it'd be yeah, not a bad thing. I, I think I think the players union would be into sort of having, you know, one out of every four seasons have like a bit of a reduced schedule and you know, yeah, the best players can go play in the Olympics. And I, I, don't, I think I don't know how how into it the owners would be, but I think it's definitely more open to it than the NHL is. Yeah. Aaron, something we did we forget to talk about, like fully acknowledging Freddie making yes. the all star team. Not a, I, not a word of it. <laughs> Fred Van like is an all star. Somehow, somehow yeah. that we just got so excited about the four a week, we got carried away. Yeah. Fred Van Vliet made the fucking all-star team. This was like for his career trajectory going undrafted. Oh my God. Yeah. To getting to here, like barely making a training camp. Oh, it's just like, it's such an incredible story. For, for sure. There's been five players in uh, NBA history that have been undrafted and made the all-star team. And he's the last player to do it since Ben Wallace, I think all the way in 2002. So it, it's been, yeah. And just being this underdog, literally like 5'11", yeah. not super athletic for his position, like no remarkable skills in that regard. Mm -hmm. Just pure like work ethic, hustle, brain power. Yeah, uh, it's like he is such a special player. Absolutely. Um, so we I feel like we need to give him that shout out. And then mm -hmm. another little all star topic here. Kevin Durant's not going to be playing. So the East needs another reserve. Do you think it should be Siakam? Because I do. No, I mean, Chris Middleton made it, but I feel like Drew Holiday should have. So I think it should go to Drew, even though the Bucks will get three. I think that's he's the, sort of the best player. I think Siakam's just had a better season than him. Siakam's yeah. better statistically that like 
all the advanced stats, every stat you look at, he's better than his all-star season. And yeah, but that's because his all-star season season was a bit of a fraud. <laughs> with, I mean, he also made an all NBA second deal. I and mean, we yeah, know it's a fraud. Was, we know it's a yeah, fraud. But yeah, I don't think but, this is a good argument, Ben. <laughs> but he is excellent. And the recent run of play combined with this Raptors winning streak against good teams, kind of like maybe the perfect sequence of events here to build momentum for an all-star push for him because he has sure, been yes the raptors the, best player recently but i think what at the end of the day though it's adam silver who picks the replacements it's not any kind of coaching it's the okay, NBA. it's going to be Lamelo ball they, they need to get Lamelo ball no I, I think game. there's a good chance it's jared allen because the all-star game is in cleveland oh, and it'd be oh. kind of fun for for two calves to make it so okay there, yeah, I, there's I, no I just, chance yeah i'm yes. it then okay yeah no, i'm yeah. sad all right. It's not, it's not like they just go to the next player on the coach's list. They, uh, it's the commissioner picks the replacement. So, okay. Well, yeah. I guess goodbye Siakam's chances. I think Sorry. he's the most worthy out of all these guys, but that's fine. Yeah. Sorry it's to rain on your parade. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. We need to talk about emails. Aaron, the email technology. How do people send us an email? Well, email technology has advanced so much in my lifetime. We have gone from, no, I'm just, I'm not going to go on an email, right? Uh, RaptorsReviewMail at gmail.com. That's RaptorsReviewMail at gmail.com, all one word. Uh, let's keep up the uh, the streak of awesome emails we've had every week. It's it's fun to look forward to seeing what we're going to be uh, be talking about. And uh, thank you for everyone who sent us emails. And if you're thinking about it, just go ahead and do it. Even if we roast you, we roast you because we love you exactly it's all it's all in love all right yeah thanks for listening folks bye for now bye